sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Call now with your question, 224-585-WSFI. That's 224-585-9734. Hello, and welcome to Healing the Whole Person. I'm your host, Joan McHugh, with a little winter voice. Sorry about that. We have a very exciting show for you today. We have Father Monk Chris Crotty, and we'll explain that in a little bit. Uh, We have studio guests here. We have um, Jeanette, we have Sarah, Rosemarie, Susie, and our esteemed holy priest guest, Father Chris Crotty. Father was born in San Francisco. His father was a California highway patrolman, and his father also founded Colby Academy in California. After high school, Father entered the U.S. Navy He became an anesthesia technician. He worked in emergency medicine for eight years. Then God called him to the holy priesthood. He became a father of mercy. He entered Holy Apostles Seminary and became a father of mercy. He was ordained in 2001. Father, for some years, was was, uh, just a regular uh, priest, but now he feels a deeper call to the Eastern Catholic Church. He loves the Byzantine liturgy, so we're going to hear about that. Um, without further ado, I want to welcome you, Father, to the show. We, we're very excited to have you here. Christ is in our midst, and it's a blessing to be with all of you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Father. Yes. And I, you wanted to begin with a prayer, Father. Yes, let's uh, uh, pray a prayer in the uh, Byzantine uh, tradition. O Comforter, Spirit of Truth, you who are present everywhere and filling all things, treasury of all blessings and giver of life, come and dwell within us and cleanse of every saint and save our souls, O Gracious One. Uh, anyway, that is a, uh, a beautiful prayer to start seeking the uh, lights of the Holy Spirit for the, for the grace of this show. Something that you have done your whole life, Father. Yeah. I want to go back. You, you have such a deep, beautiful faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and the Gospel. Were you, as a child, did you have this faith? What was it like growing up as a child and you, in terms of your faith? Well, I, uh, I grew up in San Francisco in the uh, Castro District, which was an unusual place at that time um, with the uh, 60s revolution. Um, so, uh, but I, I just, even as a child, I remember loving the smell of the incense in the church and to see the hardwood uh you know the the beautiful woods in the church it was a beautiful little old church muscle redeemer at that time um we later moved out of the city um by 76 mm-hmm. yeah so you were in the neighborhood of some pretty spectacular people yes yeah uh, it was kind of a bizarre neighborhood i mean we had every nationality there so i was introduced to i my best friend um in the before the first grade in first grade second grade uh in that arena uh was a little jewish orthodox boy uh adam and he lived behind me in the house next door um and so i was going over to his house to play all the time so he would be in a yarmulke um and i had you know my other friend was peter and he lived up the street and he was dutch 
Um, and then uh, we had some um, Czechoslovakian friends up and around the corner. Um, and then I had Filipino friends and Chinese friends. So I was introduced to all these different cultures. And so at some point you decided uh, the Navy. How did you come up on that? Uh, well, I was uh, not much of a student, you know, uh, really. I really, I was self-educated. I guess the word is autodidactic. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, I didn't have, um, it's, a, it's kind of convoluted, but I really didn't have an understanding of, of what they were looking for in exams. So I didn't take exams well. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was a reader, you know. I mm -hmm. loved reading. That was my favorite thing. Uh, and we were raised without television growing up. Sure. Um, so that was a, a benefit because it, it forced me to read and kind of work with my hands, you know. So I was always working with modeling clay and things like this. And, of course, having four, four younger sisters, uh, you know, being the eldest at that time, and I, and I had lost my older brother um, when I was, I guess, just maybe one year old, and and he was a couple of years. He died of pneumonia, oh. um, so my parents were grieving when I was being raised wow. uh, from the earliest age. And then when my sister started coming along, I was more comfortable in the street. You know, I was very happy to be with my mm -hmm. friends in the street. So there were some nefarious characters in your neighborhood. You yeah, were yeah, us oh yeah, yeah. We had uh, Charlie Manson had his cult down the down the street from us, um, and of course that was the the 1960s. Mm -hmm. So you know, it, I was it was not a uh, you know it was it wasn't a rare thing to see, you know, a hippie walking down the street in their mm -hmm. pajamas and Birkenstocks and mm -hmm. um, just a really weird time period that wow. I that I was born and raised in. Really, you know? yeah. But we had a very good conventional home life. My father was very patriotic. He was a Korean war vet, and God bless him, we just lost him no more than a few weeks ago. Uh, yes, Father. Uh, he passed away. Um, and uh, I, s I actually celebrated a uh, Byzantine liturgy mm -hmm. and Panahita for him. And then later, uh, he, re he had the Tridentine Mass, and his funeral was a Novus Ordo liturgy. So he had three liturgies. Uh, which was really a blessing for a him. beautiful yeah, father, yeah. and by his son, too. Yes, yes, it was blessing. Double blessing. Yes, yes. So, Father, you found your way to Holy Apostles Seminary. Well, I actually found my way to the Fathers of Mercy through the grace of meeting the, um, the wonderful priests. There were five priests that held the, held the order together uh, during a time when the order had fallen apart. Very long story there, but I met uh, some older priests in the order that very much inspired me, and they had a, a very deep love uh, mm -hmm. for the liturgy, particularly uh, under Ecclesia Dei. They actually allowed the uh, celebration of the Tridentine liturgy. Father, the superior, Father O'Brien, used to celebrate the Tridentine liturgy in the house, which was a very important thing. Mm -hmm. To understand the root and traditions of liturgy is is very important for. Uh, for all seminarians sure. to understand the richness. And that was when the Fathers of Mercy had sent me to Holy Apostles. I was blessed to have come in contact um, with Bishop Basil Austin, and um, he gave us some wonderful reflections for our Friday reflections at Holy Apostles. Uh, and we had liturgy, I think, uh, once every couple of weeks. Uh, we had the Divine Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. So and I studied with uh, Ukrainian seminarians with the Diocese of Stamford, Connecticut. So it was all, it was all in many ways it was meant to be because those influences were there sure. for me. And then being raised as a child, my father took me 
from the age of four to the age of almost 10, mm-hmm. uh, probably once every couple of weeks, uh, we went to the uh, Byzantine Catholic Russian Church there in San Francisco on Lake Street. So that was also a blessing mm-hmm. that I had that early exposure uh, to the to the Eastern Catholic Church. A lot of Roman Catholics don't really know that there are 24 churches approximately um, under the Pope of Rome. And it's fascinating that uh, they, they're all different traditions and they're all apostolic and they go back to uh, the apostles. Can the, you name the, some of them, Father? Well, there's 11 churches in the uh, Byzantine tradition that go back to Constantinople. Uh-huh. And then we have churches that are in the Antiochian Syrian tradition. Mm-hmm. We have the, uh, the Western Syrian tradition, which would be the Maronite. Mm-hmm. We have the Eastern, which would be the Chaldean. Uh, we have the Coptic. Uh, the Armenian is really its own tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, of course, the tradition there is, I believe, Bartholomew, uh, the apostles Bartholomew, Bartholomew and Thaddeus uh, went into that region of Georgia, Afghanistan, and Armenia and there, mm-hmm. and they were martyred there, but brought the faith there. Thomas was perhaps the the, the most widely traveled, mm-hmm. and he actually brought the liturgy and Eucharist uh, to uh, Baghdad. Is that the Doubting Thomas? Yeah, so we, uh-huh. they, well, <laughs> there's, there's a debate whether he should be called Doubting Thomas. Some, it's, he was so full of faith, so full of faith that uh, that he announced, my Lord and my God, and placed his hands in the wounds in the side mm-hmm. and, and felt his wounds. It was really an act of faith. Um, but the, rea- the reality is there's so many beautiful expressions of the liturgy uh, that have their custom and tradition. In, in Roman Catholic tradition? Uh, no. Um, the Roman Catholic Pope yeah. is the Pope of various traditions. traditions. Yes. Okay. Yes. But you are just on a, on a, on a roll to to go to more become more byzantine yes yeah it, it was it it's it's been a process um and i've had very good influences uh um there was a beautiful priest that i i lived with for about a week when i was doing some work uh on missions um up in regina canada mm. and his name was uh, father rudolph lesney and uh he gave me a wonderful introduction to the east uh, and then that followed, and I wound up doing a mission in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, for the eparchy of St. Josephat. And I met some wonderful priests there that influenced me. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, I actually did a full retreat some years ago at uh, Holy Transfiguration Monastery that I am now um, in, the, in the process of, of becoming a full member in that, that reality in that reality as well. There's a story. I started my formation there, um, and I had I had fulfilled about six months of that formation when the fires came in uh, to yes. the mountains, and I had to evacuate. This is two Octobers ago, and I was forced to evacuate. Um, the fires were uh, absolutely horrible and drove approximately oh, 16, 15, 16 miles through those fires with homes exploding on either side, um, was dispossessed for approximately 18 hours, trying to get home, couldn't find a highway. Were your parents there, Father? Okay, let's let's kind of go back. Okay. So I'm in a monastery that is 80 miles north in the mountains, north of Santa Rosa. Uh-huh. My parents live 
uh, east of Santa Rosa by uh, 40, 50 miles. Okay. And so they're south east of me from mm-hmm. where I am in the mountains or directly south uh, east in the mountains. And what's fascinating is that when I was driving south, trying because I had gotten a phone call that morning at about 4.30 after I evacuated from the monastery that the Tubbs fire was coming into the Napa Valley mm. be- behind my parents' neighborhood. Oh. So when I finally got in that night, um, I couldn't find a way to get to the Napa Valley from where I was on the, off the 101. And the 101 was completely blocked off by fire. The mm-hmm. fire crossed the freeway oh. just north of the Golden Gate Bridge. Man. So I had to go all the way to the coast, go down south, and then try to find a way Back. up south uh-huh. to the Napa Valley. And when I finally got there, I pulled in at uh, like 6.30 that night, 7 o'clock that night, after leaving at 3.30 that morning trying to get to my parents. I finally got in. And there was cinder and ash all over the place yeah. in the neighborhood. And my father at that time was very, had been sick for many years from leukemia, but also a stroke survivor, a four-time mm. stroke survivor. Oh. So we packed up the house that night. And I said, Mom, Dad, we have to leave. And so we packed up the house, packed up the cars, locked the house, and uh, headed out. We were gone for 15 days mm. uh, until we were relatively sure that the, the smoke had cleared right. out. So we had to have uh, the house under insurance was taken care of. The house didn't burn down, but it was smoke damaged. So we had sure. people come in, clean the smoke out and everything else. Well, I went back up to the monastery after coming back. Right. And Father Abbott recommended that I really do take care of my father. I realized that my father needed more care. Yeah. So this past year since the fires, um, I've been taking care of my father in the home cleaning cooking and uh picking my father up when he'd fall you How know beautiful and that type of thing so i've had the privilege of taking care of my father well he just died about four weeks ago Sorry, so father. Pray, yes. uh, you know he, he uh it was very good to be back and and in contact with my father and mother and um sure. and uh, the siblings you know it was very good so sure anyway that's the story there so, Father, what is the pull to the Byzantine? What What is, I mean, I'm just, I can't even imagine it. So I'm very happy with my church and the sacraments and the mass and so forth. What could possibly dra- draw you so deeply to want to go to that? Well, when I was a teenager and a young man, uh, I I had a, like I explained, I had a very, um, uh, an introduction to the East um, through the Russian Catholic Church that I attended as a youth. But as a teenager, I was reading books by Kathleen DeHook, Kathleen DeHook Doherty. Oh, yes. Uh, the Postinia yes. and some other books. And then I found an author uh, that was, uh, that he would always sign his name uh, as a monk of the Eastern Church. And I would read these books by Lev Gillette. Um, and also books by Maloney, Alone with the Alone. Is that Father George Maloney? Yes, Father George yes. Maloney, the early books there. I loved him. Uh, but then those books, uh, which were kind of topical and, and surface, led mm-hmm. me to read and, and really fall in love with the early church, and particularly the fathers of the church, right. uh, St. Basil, St. John Chrysostom, St. Gregory And why, why did you fall in love with them? Uh, I found a depth 
in regards to to the contemplative, but also they were so um, they were so human. Uh, Saint John Chrysostom, for instance, in his work on the priesthood, one of my favorite works, he says, you know, don't tell a young man about all the difficulties of being a priest because if he hears all the difficulties he's never <laughs> want to be a priest right. i mean there was there was these little bits of humor right. and, and, i mean but they were very human uh in essence and then uh saint john climacus uh saint simeon the new theologian uh and so many others that really that really intrigued me but also uh in the celebration of the mystery of of faith the eucharist i i wanted to do more I really felt a call to be a part of something deeper. And I wanted, in some way, I felt a call to do and to be and to worship Christ in a deeper manner. And in the circumstances that I was given as a priest in the Western Church, um, I felt limited. Mm -hmm. If I used incense, I would receive complaints. If I preached a little bit too long, people would complain. Mm -hmm. um, if I wanted to chant the whole liturgy, people complained. And I felt like I needed myself to worship Christ in the Eucharist. And the highest thing that we have is, as Christian, Catholic, uh, and Orthodox. The highest reality we have is the Eucharist. Yes. May I interrupt here? Yes, yes. Joan, you said you're happy with our church. Yes. And I am too, except that I can see why one would be drawn to the yes. uh, Eastern Rite. Yes. Because it does seem to be not as watered down yes. as what we celebrate. That's a good point. Good point. You know, and plus all the accidentals, the incense and the chanting. Oh, yeah, and I love those things yes. <laughs> as well, <laughs> you know. Um, and yes, to hear people complain that this homily is too long mm -hmm. and you went past 45 minutes, Father, you know, you got to keep it short. That to me seems so irrelevant to why we're there. Right. You know, it's, it's amazing because, uh, you know, I've had the great grace of celebrating divine liturgy um, in the home for my parents and um, for a couple elderly ladies that are my mother's friends. And it was interesting that one of the wonderful, my, I call them my mothers, my grandmothers. Um, one of them, uh, Helen, uh, her mother was Greek Orthodox, and she never got to experience her mother's uh, beauty, beautiful uh, traditions in the faith walk. She's Catholic, um, but she always really wanted to know more about her mother's traditions because her mother had converted over the faith from Orthodoxy. And so when she heard that I was celebrating the Divine Liturgy, she knew immediately what that was. And so she started coming to the Divine Liturgy, and she has been so renewed. And now she is now uh, chanting the Cherubicon and Beautiful, everything right? else. That, yeah, yeah, it really is. And, of course, you have the same belief that, that Christ is truly substantially present in the bread and wine. Yes, we're Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. We're <laughs> okay. Yes. Just clarifying. Susie? No, no. I was going to just ask you, um, how do you think that this um, would uh, relate to our young people today who are always in such a hurry to do everything? Well, that I think that that's the greatest, uh, one of the great obstructions to faith is materialism and, and this, this very uh, fast-paced society. And I think for any, any Christian that... In essence, we really have to slow down, mm -hmm. and we have to return 
to the contemplative, you know, uh, who is essentially Christ. Yes. Christ was yes. contemplative. Christ is contemplative. He is the source of all contemplation. And so um, to take time every day and pray. And yet, yes, it's good and holy uh, to pray oral prayer. Oral prayer is important. The rosary, the divine mercy uh, novena chaplet. These are all very, very important things. Uh, but we need time to talk to Christ alone in silence. And this is the, the great beauty of monasticism is we have this silence. We have liturgy, we have you know the hours, and then we have silence. And even in work, we're silent. Now, you're referring to Jesus as Christ. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Because we generally will say Jesus, and you are saying Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ. Right, right. Well, at, at the name of Jesus Christ, every name, uh, every knee shall bow. It's a scriptural. You just quoted it just right. a little bit, uh, my friend. Uh, yes, absolutely. Christ is good. You know, Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God. But uh, tell us about the importance of his whole name. Yes. Well, it's it's the name of Jesus Christ. Um, if it's just Jesus, it could be just Jesus. Um, that's a Spanish name. But when we say Jesus Christ, this is the Son of God. So it's important. It's for definitive. Us. It's, it's definitive. The Messiah, the it's anointed the Messiah. one. It's the important anointed. for yes. us mm -hmm. to say yes, the whole Jesus name. Christ. Okay. Jesus Christ. Yes, it's a name in and of itself. I mean, it's a it's a holy prayer in and of itself. And it's a power in itself. It's a power in itself. The name Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. In the old days, in the Western tradition, when you said the name Jesus Christ, everyone would bow their head. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. When we went and that's to important. Church. I still that's do. Important. I still that's do. Important. Yes. 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 Because we're, we're acknowledging the Messiah. Yes, yes. Father. And, um, it, the, the scripture that we read a minute ago was from Philippians um, chapter 2, verse 9. It says, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, every tongue confess, uh, and every tongue and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, God the Father. Father. Amen. Beautiful. We'll take a short break, and then we'll be back with more stories from Father. Very enlightening and very inspiring, Father. Thank you. the call to raise our boys in virtue so they can stand tall and lead our next generation of the church. Is praying the rosary with your son and 40 other men and boys to cap off a day of cooking meals over an open flame while growing in spiritual, patriotic, and masculine skills pique your interest? Let me introduce you to the Troops of St. George, a father's, sons, priests, and deacons fraternal apostolate true to the Catholic faith. Check us out at troopsofstgeorge.org and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. 
Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Hello, this is Jim Finnegan from Choose Life, Illinois, and also from American Nativity Scene. Catholic Radio, what a wonderful opportunity. I recently met someone that was talking about that where the Holy Father actually asked him to do more in the way of radio work in this country. So there's no question when you can put turn the phone on or, t- or turn your radio on and hear all you need to know about what's going on in the Catholic community, it's powerful. Use it as often as you can. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Welcome back. We're talking with Father Monk Chris Crotty, soon to be a monk, Father, correct? Yeah, I've started the uh, my, my formative process. Actually, I was a guest student for a little bit at Holy Resurrection Monastery there and uh, picked up some of the essentials and then started um, fully in formation at, at Holy Transfiguration Monastery in Redwood Valley, California. Um, and we uh, pray for all the monks today, and they are certainly praying for us um, as I'm in studio here, and uh, my uh, Father Abbot Damien. So when I return, uh, I will be going um, and packing things up and then heading back up to the monastery mm-hmm. uh, to continue formation up there. So, so Father, you, we were talking before the show and you quoted somebody from the year 453, Nihilus? Yes, it, he's kind of a, a rather interesting character. There's some of these like, extant texts uh, where he was very prophetic. I would encourage people to kind of look at those prophecies. They're pretty pretty amazing prophecies well, about... The, uh, the one I'm referring to, you said he said that there would be a time when hardly a virgin will walk the face of the earth. Yes, yes, that was St. Nihilus. And yes. that man would fly like birds and go to the deepest ocean. You also said, Father, that uh, he, we are facing, or he said, we are facing a social and moral revolution no different than the time of Diocletian. Be- yes. Be- before you go into that, could you please spell the name oh. for some of our listeners that might want to look him up? Is it N-I-L-U-S? Yes, that's Nihilus, yes. 453. Yeah, right around 453. You can look him up. Uh, there's, a, there's a good um, article on, on him on Orthodox Wiki. Uh, which is like Wikipedia that answers a lot of questions about the Eastern Saints. What is it, Father? Orthodox? Orthodox Wiki. Yeah. W-I-K-I? Yeah, just Very like Wikipedia. They have okay. their their mm-hmm. own Wikipedia that has everything 
of the early church, you know, the early saints and, and um, the nomenclature for the various vessels in liturgy and so on and so forth. It has everything there for you. Uh, so can you talk about the time of Diocletian and how we, how we relate today to that? Well, first of all, there was, in essence, in those early times, it was still a very pagan time. And, you know, there was, uh, you know, this proclivity towards uh, sexual perversity and and so on and so forth. So we're very much like that mm-hmm. in our time today. Mm-hmm. Um, idol worship. You know, idol worship. You know, we, we, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, the, 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 the epicenter of, 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 much growth in religion right now is actually is witchcraft yeah. it's one of the fastest yeah. growing religions in the united states and we need to be aware of what that is yes Father. um but you know the interesting thing is that a lot of the um erroneous teachings out there that are connected to you know we would call gnostic um uh, it's it's a secret way christ's way is okay. i am the way the truth and the life you see me, you see the Father. We we have the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. Uh, we we have the Beatitudes as to how to live out the Christian life. Uh, the spiritual and corporal works of mercy come from these things. Uh, so we have, in essence, you know, the 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 way of perfection or the way of of walking in the footsteps of Christ. And we have this enormous gift of the Eucharist. That feeds us and gives us every grace needed for our state and life. And when we fall, we have the sacrament of reconciliation to renew our hearts and minds and souls. And we have the gifts of, of the sacramentals. And when we become ill, we have the sacrament of the sick. Uh, we have all of this, as as the East would say, a treasury of blessings. Yes, we have this treasury of blessings. Um, but we have a very direct via. Uh, where our Lord is pointing the way, the via, the way. He's pointing us the way. And as a matter of fact, the early Christians, one of the nomenclature of the early Christians was the people of the way, um, or Christians, or Nazarenes was another uh, term for them. But uh, this Gnosticism that we see today is a secret way. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have a secret master and a, mm-hmm. and a secret way and there is nothing secret about Christ. What you see is what you get. Yes, Father. What he tells us, he gives us the way to salvation. Um, and uh, so that's that's very comforting to have that that whole way before us. So if you had to summarize for all the, 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 the older grandchildren out there, you know, what is the way for, the, for us today? What is the way? What is the church teaching us how to get there, how to how to be close to Christ? Well, uh, you know, when I was a youth, um, I was gifted with having a conscience. Mm-hmm. And that was a really great, great gift that I had from my parents and my faith tradition at that time was the gift of a conscience. And I knew, I knew the importance of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew the importance of the faith, and I was—I didn't have rest of heart if I wasn't walking the mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. the true way, mm-hmm. the Ten Commandments. And so, with that being said, even as a youth—I mean, as a teenager—now I—I had many friends, and I was involved in—I loved, you know, uh, aspects of punk rock music. 
Um, I mean, there were bands that were seriously uh, speaking the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, there was this whole movement of the straight edge movement, which I had a lot of respect for, although I wasn't straight edge um, at that time. Um, but I was always looking for the good things in culture that elevated my soul. And that's the first thing for youth today, um, to become involved in those things which are life-saving to us, yes. that are soul-saving to us. So uh, one of the ways of discernment, I would ask myself, even back then, you know, is this that I'm involved with, is this going to lead my soul to Christ or to hell? I mean, it's a good discernment. And I, I did that for myself. But then again, I was kind of a, I was, I loved bookshops and record stores. And I was looking for like oddball books and records and and different things and like one of the books i found you know uh that kind of dropped off a shelf for me that i read for years was uh vladimir lasky's uh the mysticism of obedience it was one of the preeminent uh russian theologians of the orthodox church how i found that i have no idea but <laughs> it fell into but it. um but it mm. fell into my arms and i love that book and it kept me straight in a lot of ways you know? beautiful father yeah so yeah, it really was beautiful. It was a gift. And so I would encourage the youth, first of all, uh, I would encourage the youth, you know, there's so much culture in the Eastern Catholic churches. And I would encourage everyone to go to a divine liturgy, mm -hmm. whether it's a Maronite divine liturgy. And guess what? Yeah, you are going to be awkward there because it is different. It is culturally different. But guess what? Let me ask the audience out there. When was the last time you were challenged in something Christian? Let me give that silence. When was the last time you were challenged? Good question. If our faith is comfortable all the time, mm -hmm. you know, are we living it? Do we even have faith? That's right, yeah. what, what's really burning in my heart. We have faith if we're living the life, yeah. if we're walking the walk. God has given us the faith to do that. Because if we didn't have faith, we wouldn't be doing that. Amen? I mean, that's mm -hmm. the, the fact there, you know. But it's really a great, it's a really great experience uh, for a first time to walk into, you know, a, uh, oh, uh, a Byzantine uh, Catholic church uh, and experience uh, a divine liturgy, and the divine liturgy goes where, for a couple hours. Where did we start calling it mass rather than divine liturgy? Uh, I think it may go back to the Greek, but we can look into that one later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Misa. Father, um, tell the uh, listeners about the um, uh, mass that you're going to be uh, celebrating this Sunday oh, yeah, in so Palatine. Because yeah. a lot of the people listening uh, live in near there. It's on... Uh, what is the it's name? It's Immaculate Conception Byzantine Catholic Church. In Palatine. In Palatine. And that's on Benton, right? On Benton Street in Palatine. Okay. So tomorrow night at 7 p.m., I will be um, with Father Kuzma um, at Immaculate Conception Byzantine Catholic Church in Palatine, Illinois, at 7 p.m. for a talk. Uh, it's going to be a reflection on the early lives of the saints, the early church, uh, and how appropriate those realities are to an understanding of inner spiritual healing today. Uh, that will be the talk, 7 p.m. Uh, tomorrow night. Uh, and then 10 a.m. on Sunday will be Divine Liturgy that everyone is welcome to. And we are going to make it 
um, we're going to do a little bit of catechesis beforehand so that the Westerners, the Roman Catholics, uh, can understand kind of what's going on. So Father. it's going to be a good, it's going to be a very good liturgy for people that have curiosity about the Byzantine Catholic Church Beautiful. to come yeah. and experience that. Yeah. Uh, so, Father, what you just said triggered something. The er excuse me, the early saints and healing. Yes. Will you speak about that? Well, you know, it was fascinating. You know, there are so many. Um, there are so many different saints that had s such a varied um, treasury of charisms. Uh, you know, the other day we celebrated Saint Theodora. I believe, um, uh, and her story is just amazing. Uh, St. Theodora was a loyal wife, and she came under the influence of some sort of curse, and she, um, she was not um, loyal in her relationship with her husband, and, and uh, she was so shamed guilt by this that she went to a mother superior of of a eastern monastery and the, and uh she confessed her sins but then she still felt that she needed more penance for the for the sin of adultery so she walked away and she clothed herself um in monastic garment now listen to this so her husband couldn't find her she didn't go to a convent she went to a men's monastery and she took on the appearance of a man <laughs> and lived in that male monastery, uh, lived in that male monastery as a woman, as a monk, when the hegemon of the monastery or lead monk was so convinced of her holiness, he sent her out to go get supplies. He trusted her. She went out to, to another monastery to garner supply for the monastery. And while she was there at the other monastery, um, it was fascinating that... This young lady uh, fell in lust for her. And <laughs> she, and of course, St. Theodora re resisted her, her advances. And she went back to the monastery. And going back to the monastery, to her own monastery, uh, this young woman had actually had a lustful affair with another young man. And... She accused St. Theodora of impregnating her. Oh, my goodness. And the fascinating thing of the story is, is that so she gets in trouble. She lives the life of penance. She never corrects. She doesn't try to correct it because it reveals who she is. So she accepts being berated by the father abbot of the monastery. And she's banished from the monastery. And she lives in a hermitage by herself. And she takes this child and raises this child. Oh my! <laughs> that was the child of the sin of these yeah. other people, and you she can't raises up. <laughs> no, and she raises the child, and she dies a peaceful and holy death. And the monks, when they go to bury her, uh, put her in a habit for burial. And when they go to bury her, they realize that she's a woman oh, because they incredible. find her breasts, and they bury her. I mean, what a saint! And then, of course, her son. Not her son, but the uh -huh. child that she raised becomes the hegemon of the of the monastery in the future. Uh, but what an incredible story! I mean, we really yeah. don't have any story Hollywood like that. Should take that. No, that's a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, what 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 a saint to go to for the troubled times we live in. 
And as far as the troubled times in the church, as I reflect on these things, um, you know, the fathers of Mount Athos, the Greek fathers, uh, so beautifully uh, tell us that if we want to correct that which is, which is outside of ourselves and bring what is outside of ourselves to healing in Christ, we must correct that which is in the yes. inside. Beautiful. And and to allow <coughs> ourselves to be transformed and transfigured in Christ. And then by this, the outside of us will be healed. And I think that this is really truly an answer for the crisis that we're living in. The crisis that the church is experiencing on all levels and all counts is directly due to the fact that there was a lack of prayer mm. uh, and a lack of prayer and a lack of the contemplative leads to confusion. So, Father, before the show, we were talking about the church abuse crisis, the sexual abuse, and you quoted St. Basil, and it struck me what you said about St. Basil and dealing with um, problems of sexual misconduct in his day. If a, mol a molester is found among you, can you continue? Well, uh, St. Basil, this, this, this is early rules, um, but, you know, those that lead others, yes. per particularly innocents, you know, to, to hurt those that are innocent uh, is, is, is a heinous crime. It's mm -hmm. a heinous, it is a crime. Yes. And, you know, they need to pay um, injustice. They are called to, you know, turn yeah. themselves in, first of all. And, and to pay the price, yes, which is Father. prison. Uh, there is no question of this. Yes, Father. If you have heard, and our Lord says it, you know, uh, those that have scandalized my little ones, it'd be better that, that, uh, that a millstone be put around their neck. Now, this is not vengeance. Mm -hmm. For someone that has offended uh, the little ones, they have to be brought to a sense of remorse. Yes. And what we know about these crimes is that so oftentimes these men have no remorse. And so St. Basil's treatment is, yes, let them uh, uh, basically be imprisoned, let them be, be given a loaf of bread, let them be scourged till we can see that they have remorse. And this may seem harsh, um, but, uh, and then he goes on with some other instruction. But the reality is, is that um, a lack of prayer, uh, a lack of true worship, uh, the devil is given entry. Mm -hmm. When we don't pray, when we don't have proper prayers, and this is why Leo the Thirteenth gave us the St. Michael prayer, as a protection for the universal church. And Which it, we stopped saying. We stopped saying that. I mean, how many traditions, let me, let me just count off the traditions that Catholics used to have in the home. Let's just count off the traditions that we had. How about holy water at the front door? Yes, Father. How many Catholics I look at today that have no sign of Christ on their presence? I mean, I mean, not wearing a cross, you know, not wearing a, a miraculous medal in the Western practice, not wearing a scapular, you know. Um, so even sacramentals have come to to a close. One that I, you know, I've I've brought to the attention of many people. How many people? No longer ask for a priest's blessing. Do you know how many times that I go visit and I go to places mm -hmm. or go here or go there? And it's a Catholic home. It's Catholic people. And how many of them say nothing? They don't ask for my blessing. 
you know, and, and basically I turn around and I would say, because I want it to be on their, on their impetus. So I say, would you like a blessing? Right. If I say that once, usually the people, oh, yes, Father, we forgot. Okay, then I give you a blessing. Sure. But, you know, for me, you know, when I was traveling on missions, um, I was always seeking ways, in many ways, to, uh, particularly because the temptation on the road as a priest, you know, um, being a missionary was, was a very difficult task. And, and it, it took a lot uh, for my own health when I did this. Um, but I would always try to find places that were holy every day in my journey. So I had favorite stops, you know, when I was, I believe, on the I-75 on my way to Detroit. I'd always stop at Our Lady of Consolation in Cary, Ohio. That was one of my stops, you know. Our Lady Mother of Sorrows was another place. Um, uh, there was a little place outside of Cuyahoga Falls. There was a little shrine of uh, uh, Our Lady of Loretto there. I would stop there. Um, Detroit, I'd always stop and visit Solanus Casey. Um, and also the Shrine of Little Flower. I would stop there in, in the Detroit area. Um, in the Chicago area, I'd always stop at Marytown. I would always go to confession. Um, when I, even I could go over every state, um, you know, like when I was driving, when I was driving through Oklahoma, it was the shrine of the infinite Prague. When I was, you know, um, when I was in Colorado, it was the cathedral in Colorado, um, in Denver, uh, you know, every place that had the potential for a growth in holiness, I would find, and I would go and I would spend an hour or two in prayer in my 12 hour drive. I would find that place. Um, and I think this is important because pilgrimage is an essential part of being Christian. Mm -hmm. And every day, every day can be a time of pilgrimage. You know, we think of pilgrimage, you know, spending a thousand dollars and going on pilgrimage, you know, to, you know, Lourdes for eight days or Fatima or, you know, what have you. But the reality is in the Byzantine tradition, you know, we are all pilgrims on a journey to God, to mm -hmm. eternal life. We are all pilgrims. And being pilgrims mean, it really means that every day can be a pilgrimage for us. Maybe it's, maybe it's a holy hour at our local parish. Um, you know, one thing that I, that I began to witness to, or I began to see, how many churches are now locked during the day because people no longer visit there? Yes, if, people were visit, yes. if people were visiting their churches every day and you had people going in there every hour, the church wouldn't have to worry about being locked up. Right, right. And so, you know, when, you know, okay, so you've got stations of the cross on the wall in the Western tradition. Whatever happened to people going in and doing the stations of the cross during the middle of the day? Um, you know, what happened to you know, lighting candles before Our Lady, um, you know, so many parishes had Our Lady of Perpetual Help. But, you know, we're becoming, I, I began to see this even on the missions. There was a stripping. Yes, Father. And it, I don't, I'm not sure it was intentional. I'm not sure it was intentional. Among, but I think that the great bearer of guilt is this materialism, yes. this fixation on electronic gadgets is taking our eyes and hearts away from God. Relativism also. Relativism, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so I think 
truly that the the uh, absolutely that if we can return to the traditions of the faith the treasury of blessings whether you be eastern or western catholic this is truly an answer for our time today and and you know liturgy gives us everything and one confession is greater than a hundred exorcisms you know. I was going to ask about confession and th how it relates. We we have to go once a year. Is that the same tradition in the Eastern? Uh, I'm sure it is. Uh, I I know that I think once a year is is the bare minimum. Right. Uh, I myself, uh, as priest, I I think it's it's it, uh, anybody that's living in the modern world today. I really do believe you should be going to confession once every every week or every couple of weeks oh, we have to stop now excuse me yes. I'm sorry we have a two minutes left father we'd like to pray ask you to pray for our listeners we have a special request um, there's a young man named michael um, who uh, is the nep nephew i believe of alex who works for wsfi he has severe back pain and he's on the floor and he can't move so we were going to ask you to pray for him. Okay. We'd ask you to pray for the intentions of all the people sitting here, uh, for Jen, Rosemary, Sarah, Susie, and for myself, my granddaughter, Ellie, as always, cystic fibrosis, and anybody else, Father's intentions, and the station. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite prayers is part of the, the bookends of prayer that in the East, um, before and after most events, uh, is uh, almost Holy Trinity, have mercy on us. The Lord cleanses of our sins, master pardon our transgressions, and heal us of our infirmities for your own name's sake. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. O Christ God, we beg you to bless all of your servants here present and all those listening to this holy radio. We ask you to bless everything now and forever and unto the ages of ages. Amen. God bless you all, and you remain in my prayers. Thank you, Father. Beautiful okay. show, Father. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. I love you all. Love you, too. Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.